0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. So I I don't normally tell jokes in homilies, but there's a really funny one in regards to the gospel today. Well, if you're kind of an uber-Catholic, it's funny. So I'll try it out. So it's the same story. Jesus is responding to the Pharisees. And so to dissuade them from stoning this poor woman, he says, You who are without sin, cast the first stone at her. And then all of a sudden, out of the back of the crowd, this huge rock comes flying and smacks this poor woman right in the face. And Jesus looks up and says, Mother! (laughs) Obviously Mary would have never done that, so. But this gospel story often brings up a lot of questions. The first one typically is, where's the guy? Here's the woman who was caught in the very act of committing adultery. What did the guy get off? Did he get off without getting in trouble? What happens here? Well, it's actually more simple than you might think. You see, at this time in history, among the Jewish law, when a person was engaged, if they spoke to somebody of the opposite sex without a chaperone present, that would be considered adulterous. So most likely what happened was she's engaged and she's talking to another man without a chaperone, basically without permission, and she was caught doing this. It doesn't mean the other man knew that she was engaged or anything. He may have been totally innocent. Regardless, it's most likely that she was caught in this kind of a situation. So the Pharisees take advantage of this and they they grab this woman and they take her to Jesus Because, as we're told in the Gospel, they wanted to trap him to be able to find some charge to bring against him. So they bring this this poor woman to Jesus and they tell him, in the law Moses teaches us that we must stone such women. What do you say? Now Jesus' response to them is very interesting. He bends over and starts riding in the dirt. No one knows what he wrote. There there has been speculation over the last 2,000 years as to what Jesus was actually writing. One of the common ideas or beliefs is that he was actually writing the sins of the Pharisees. Basically to discourage them from condemning this this other sinner, this poor woman. Now, I, I can't believe that. And in my own opinion, I can't believe Jesus would do that. He goes so far out of his way to protect and defend sinners, and even ones like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So I can't imagine he's going to be writing out anybody's sins on the ground. I'm sorry. I just can't accept that. There's got to be another explanation. But what could he have been writing? I think to understand, we have to delve a little more deeply into this exchange between our Lord and the Pharisees. Remember, they're trying to trap him so that they can bring a charge against him. This is their goal. They don't care about this woman's sins. They technically don't even care about the law. All they care about is bringing a charge against Jesus so they can get rid of him. But these are intelligent men. These are learned men. And they know if they're going to trap somebody, you want to give them a conundrum that there's no good answer for. Basically, whatever Jesus says we've got him. The way this works is, at this time in Israel, Jews were not allowed to follow their own Mosaic laws, at least not all of them, because the Romans ruled Israel. And one of the laws that the Jews were forbidden from doing was capital punishment. Without Rome's permission, they could not take a life. Even though the law of Moses said they needed to stone certain people, it was forbidden by the Romans. So these wise men, they understand this, and so they bring this charge before Jesus, hoping to catch him. You see, if Jesus says, yes, obey the law, the teachings of Moses, and stone this woman, which any good Jew should say, Then they can go to the Romans and say, Jesus is telling us to disobey Caesar. You need to do something about him. And then he'd get in trouble with Caesar. But if instead Jesus says, no, do not obey the law of Moses, do not stone this poor woman, then they can go to the Jews and say, Jesus is telling us to disobey the law. You see, these these intelligent men thought that they had Jesus trapped. No matter what he said, we can accuse him to somebody and get him in trouble and get rid of him. Jesus clearly ignores them. I honestly think he's just bending over, doodling in in the dirt. You know, like a child would do, just drawing shapes and different things. He is not concerned whatsoever, right? He doesn't only know all truth. He is the truth. So you can't trap him. You can't outsmart the Lord. So he's clearly not concerned at all. No worries. He's just kind of doodling, hoping they'll leave him alone. Because he knows they're not going to stone the woman. They're not allowed to. But the gospel tells us that they insisted. They kept badgering him for an answer. So what does the Lord do? He turns to them and he says, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her now that sounds very noble and beautiful like jesus is teaching them to recognize your own sinfulness and not to condemn others obviously our lord wants us to do that judge not lest you be judged however these men don't care about truth these men don't care about the law or right or wrong they're willing to use anything that they can to get their way so if you think about this for a moment Why would they suddenly be convicted of their own sinfulness, repent, and leave this poor woman alone? There's no way that happened. So what's really going on here? Jesus understands these men completely. And so what he does by this simple statement is he turns their own accusation on themselves. How does he do this? You have to realize that the Pharisees believed that they were sinless. It was a fundamental belief of almost all of the Pharisees. They would go around basically preaching, we are the only Jews who really follow the law perfectly. We're the only ones who can stand before God justified because we are flawless and without sin. This is what the Pharisees taught and believed. In fact, the rest of the Jews pretty much assumed that they must be sinless because God is clearly favoring them. It's important to know this because when Jesus told them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, every single one of those Pharisees should have picked up a rock and started stoning this woman. So why didn't they? These are men who daily profess their sinlessness. Why didn't they stone her on the spot? Because if they did, the Romans would be upset. And would arrest them and punish them. You see, here they are trying to trap Jesus, and he turns it around, and he traps them. We're told that they begin to walk away, beginning with the elders. Why is that significant? You see, if Jesus was trying to shame these men into repentance in a a recognition of their sin, it would have been the youngest of the the pharisees walking away first because usually younger people feel more shame than older people older people who've been in a lifetime in sin you you get kind of used to it it would have been all of the young people saying okay i'm out of here (laughs) the reason the elders were the first to walk away is because they're the smartest they're the wisest and they would have figured out if i don't get out of here i'm in trouble i can't stone her because the romans will prosecute me. And if I don't stone her, I'm basically admitting to the people that I'm a sinner. Okay, bye guys. Good luck. They get out of there. The older ones are smart. Let's leave the young Pharisees to deal with this. Now, how beautiful and brilliant our Lord is in this passage and defending and protecting this woman and turning these evil men's intentions upon themselves. That's not the point of this story at all. In the end, it's this beautiful exchange between our Lord and the woman caught in adultery. He turns to her and he says, woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? He says, is anyone here to condemn you? She says, no one, sir. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. You can imagine the humiliation and shame this woman must have felt, not only being caught in this sin, but then being publicly humiliated. And here is our Lord, not only defending and protecting her, but forgiving her and sending her on her way how in the eyes of all the people, our Lord was able to justify her. This is the reason that Christ has come. This is the reason we're celebrating this holy season and in a few weeks, the passion of our Lord, because he wants to save us from sin, from the shame of it, from the humiliation of it, from the damnation of it. He did not come to accuse us, but to redeem us. But that's only his first coming. He himself taught that when he comes again in glory, he will not come with mercy. He will come with judgment and accusation. He will take all of the people of all of time and he will judge them publicly, bringing up every unforgiven sin. You think you feel shame for your sins now, just wait till the final judgment. They will be made known to everyone. There's only one way to assure ourselves of protection against that final judgment, and that is the mercy He offers us now. Our Lord, through His death and resurrection, has given us the sacraments of His church to forgive us of sin, and if we accuse ourselves of sin to him, especially in the sacrament of confession, then he will not accuse us when he comes again in glory. All I need is a little humility and maybe a little fear of ultimate condemnation to go before the priest and to confess my sins, to accuse myself to Jesus, the just judge. If I do that, he washes away my sin. He takes away all judgment, all condemnation, all shame, and even at the end of time when he judges all the world, those sins will never be brought up because they are already forgiven. It's not easy to humble ourselves in those moments. This woman, poor woman, was forcibly humiliated, and her sins forcibly brought into the public. Our Lord doesn't require you to do that. There have been times in the early church when it was believed you had to confess your sins to the whole community. And so you'd have to come in during mass and publicly confess all of your sins to be forgiven, and then you could start coming to the sacraments again. You really want to start that one up again? There's a reason the church put an end to that. You don't get a lot of penitence. (laughs) Our Lord doesn't want to shame you. He wants to protect you. But he has designed the perfect way to do that. It requires, however, your humility. The beautiful gift of the Sacrament of Reconciliation is that in the sure and certain knowledge that my sins are wiped away, they will n- never be brought up again. And I can go forth from that sacrament with peace in my heart. No fear. No anxiety. In fact, the scriptures teach that God forgets the sins he forgives. So he can't bring them up to you again. He can't accuse you of them in the future because he doesn't remember The blood of Christ has washed them away. So if you haven't had the opportunity to go to confession since Lent has begun, you've still got two weeks left before Easter. I try to give you enough time in the confessional. If you wanna make a private appointment, most people don't. If you would like to, call the office. If you don't want to go to me, Fine, there are other Catholic churches around and other priests who won't recognize your voice. I I usually don't. And even if I do, it's not like I'm gonna remember. People always tell me the same sins. Trust me, you're not inventing any new ones. It's like a doctor who's done a a thousand appendectomies or something, you know? He doesn't remember each one that he does. (laughs) That's just a surgery, I think it's the appendix surgery. Yeah, okay, thought I remembered that correctly. In my own personal spiritual life, obviously, all of the sacraments provide a tremendous amount of grace and consolation. But the one that brings me the greatest peace is always confession, always. Yet it's the one I like doing the least. So the saints recommend this as a consideration or a meditation to encourage repentance. Christ, who suffered so much humiliation to give you this sacrament to forgive your sins, ask you to humble yourself just a little to receive that grace. Meditate upon all of the humiliations he endured to forgive you of your sin. It will make it easier for you to endure the little humiliation of confessing them.